0: I wanna read you a pitch I got about being a guest on this podcast from Andrea Campos. She wrote, over the last two years, I've gone from drawing on my bedroom floor during the pandemic to publish author who's worked with JLo. It's been a very unconventional journey and I'd love to inspire other Latinas to keep going toward their dream, even if their journey doesn't look like everyone else's. I mean, how could I say no to that? And so today, Andrea shares how she made her leap from marketing to freelancing just as the pandemic hit the importance of showing up for the craft even when the path is not clear, and how all of that work helped her land her role as the illustrator on Jennifer Lopez and Jimmy Fallon's new bilingual children's book, Compollo. Andrea, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. You're a triple cancer, which I don't know that I've ever met a triple cancer before. I feel so
1: exposed. Um, Yes, I am a triple cancer. It's not something I normally tell people because I think uh, cancers get a bad rep for being too sensitive. And I'm that times three, but I've learned to live with it. And I feel like I'm finally in a position work-wise where like, being soft is a good thing. So I feel like, okay, universe, like you led me to like probably one of the five career paths where being super sensitive and soft can actually be a good thing. So here we are.
0: (laughs) Well, I say it as a fellow Cancer, though not a triple Cancer, because when I see your artwork, it is so upbeat and it is so positive that I'm like, is this a reflection of Andrea or is this Andrea psyching herself, her emo self out?
2: That's
1: interesting. I think with my art, so maybe I'm like a non-traditional Cancer in the sense that I'm really sensitive, but for the most part, I play in just a really happy space. And that's reflective in the colors I use, how I decorate my home, how I dress generally. I feel really lucky. Like I've, I don't know, maintained a really good relationship with five-year-old me and that she's kind of the one that has the control sometimes. And I think that's where like the art comes from where like I, I choose to make art from a good warm place. And sometimes that is just making that space for myself so that the rest of me can feel good. And other times it's generally like what I'm feeling.
0: It's interesting that you bring up five-year-old you because as a kid, you loved to draw. What did that look like? When was the first time you sort of knew, oh, I'm kind of good at this. There's something here.
1: My mom is an architect. So I think I inherited a lot of like creative skills from her. Um, But as a kid, those were the classes. Those were the projects I was most excited for was when it's like, oh, you're doing this, but there's a creative component where you have to design this board or draw this thing. And I remember it was my preschool. We got to like draw a bunch of pictures and then the teacher picked one of someone's drawing to essentially make the t-shirt for all of our field trips. And that ended up being my drawing. And my parents joke about it now because they're like, oh, that was like your first merch item at four. And I'm like, it wasn't a good drawing. It was stick figures. But I think that was the first time where I felt like the acknowledgement of like, oh, wow, people can actually like appreciate what you make. That's so cool. That's so special. I love that.
0: A part of your story that is going to be super familiar to a lot of our listeners is when you tell your parents, I want to go to art school, they're just like, nope.
1: Yeah, I think... For me in high school, I always had a feeling. I'm like, this mm, I, I want to do this. And at the time I was exploring so many different creative things. And one of the things that I really loved was interior design. And I remember having a very serious discussion with my dad in particular, being like, Hey, I want to study this. I think there's something really like beautiful here. And his response was just kind of like, Hey, that's great, but like I want you to get a real job. And that like real job comment just like sat with me for so long. Cause I was aware of my status as the child of immigrants. I was aware of the pressures that my parents were inadvertently or or not putting on me. And also like, I think just society's pressure where it's like, okay, they gave up so much for me to be here in this country. Who am I to just like waste that and choose a career path that's not going to be lucrative. That's not going to allow me to sustain myself. So I kind of made the choice to go into marketing, which I saw was a good blend of like creative and business, and I was like, okay, I, I did the right thing. But at the same time, you, I'm like, this isn't what I like. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to go back to square one.
0: So you make the leap. You make it at a pretty bad time, though.
1: To be fair, I made the leap without fully knowing what was, you know, coming up in the months ahead. Of course, I made the leap for those listening in early 2020, I'm talking like February 2020, quit my normal job, set the wheels in motion to move to a brand new city. And I'm like, yeah, I did this. I finally mustered up the courage. My friends were like, yeah, you finally did it. You've been talking about this for years. And then all of a sudden, weeks into my new life, pandemic shuts everything down. And that was really hard.
0: Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club.
2: Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? (laughs) They do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&Ms for all fun kind. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At six thirty PM, we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events.
0: So, how did you sustain yourself both financially? And just spiritually during that period where the plans you had made all fell through.
1: I remember those first few weeks in particular were exceptionally hard because like the same friends that had been cheering me on like two weeks ago were now like, wow, your timing was really bad. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. And in a lot of ways, I felt like I had finally like taken the leap of faith, like stretched out my wings only to hit a wall and just literally fall to the ground. And at that point, I decided that in that moment, I wanted my priority to be myself. So taking care of myself emotionally, taking care of myself physically and taking care of myself mentally, because I was already going through a lot as someone who had just like jumped into a brand new career only to be met by like this tremendous amount of resistance. And then on top of that, all of the emotion and the weight of the emotion that was going on in those very early pandemic days. And as you said, I'm a triple cancer. I absorb, I absorb what's going on in the world around me. So I was kind of just like sitting in an apartment that wasn't even mine anymore, just kind of like shaking like, oh God, what what now? And, and I decided to essentially build myself a mini artist residency where I was like, all right, you have eight hours a day, seven days a week now to fill. You, you can't hang out with your friends. You can't get distracted. Just do what makes you feel good. Let's like pick a creative activity each, each day with the goal just being like, like play, like something that can distract you from what's going on in the world and even internally a little bit. And then hopefully that'll build your your confidence back up again and make you feel good. And in the course of doing that, drawing came back. And I realized, I'm like, wow, I really like this. It, It brings me a lot of peace. It turned into a form of art therapy for me that I think really allowed me to process everything that I was feeling in a way that felt right for me. I couldn't find the right words, but the little doodles and sketches were like, wow, you, this is a this is 100% how I feel right now. And I think others probably feel the same way too.
0: As is sort of, I think, of the moment, you start transposing your art onto Instagram and it's an MLK illustration that Questlove shares that really starts to explode your account. And what I find really interesting is that you are super savvy. You say to yourself, I need to now look at this account through a business lens. So can you talk us through what that means? What were the changes then you made to the way that you were approaching the work and Instagram as a vehicle for reaching potential partners, collaborators, consumers?
1: Some of those little shifts I made was one, just being more vulnerable. In what I was sharing and just like honest about my thoughts and feelings around a lot of the stuff that was going on at the time. I think a lot of my early work in particular is a direct reflection of how myself as a first-generation Mexican-American sees themselves in a U.S. that's in a really challenging time right now with regards to climate change, social justice, and the way that people I think are on very two distinct sides of the spectrum. So a lot of that was, I think, just me pouring myself into this, being like, I want to show the world who I am. And I think the other part of it, the more maybe business savvy part of it, was me realizing that everyone is stuck inside right now. And I think a lot of people feel how I'm feeling right now, overwhelmed, confused. If I could figure out little tidbits of way to help them express themselves through my art, then maybe I can continue to like grow in this space. So that's why you'll notice too, a lot of the stuff that I did was really topical. And it was, I think my interpretation of things and people latched onto that and started to let me know like, wow, I, I feel this way too. Or like you perfectly captured what I wanted to say to my friends or my family, or thanks for finding like a positive way to say this, because I know that my parents have different views than me, but like, I think you really captured the sentiment that I was trying to get to. So I started kind of to use my art as a vehicle for broader and larger communication. And I think it it all kind of snowballed from there.
2: Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th. At 6.30 p.m., we're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events.
0: You are now on your third children's book, and there are huge names attached to this one. Gomboyo, a bilingual play adventure. Um, Jennifer Lopez, Jimmy Fallon, What is the process of getting a book like that made look like?
1: Yeah. So I think this is like a unique project, obviously, because of who's involved. But high level, the way that illustrators will work with authors is through like art directors. So an art director on their team found my Instagram of all things and was like, hey, one of our clients saw this drawing you did. They really liked it would you be interested in talking about potentially, you know, collaborating on a book? Of course, I was like, yes, let's do it. Much to my surprise, it ended up being Jennifer Lopez and Jimmy Fallon. So my jaw was on the floor. And for a split second, I was like, Oh, my God, do I even know how to do this? Do what, you know, like that imposter syndrome kind of like came in. But thankfully, at that point, I think I had mustered up enough courage in my little cancer shell to be like, you're gonna do this, you'll figure it out. Like, you're smart, you've figured things out before, fake it till you make it. Or better yet, make it till you make it, which I think is so important for artists to do. Just like keep making work till you make it. Um, And then from there, high level, you work with an art director who really has developed, I think, the artistic vision for a children's book or whatever project you're working on. They'll share the story with you. You as the illustrator have the opportunity to kind of sketch out what your vision is you send it back to them and then it becomes like a really collaborative effort where the authors are like hey I like this but I was actually thinking of like this for this and you kind of go back and forth make edits until you're finally in a place where everyone's happy and then you share it with the world and I think that's why I'm so excited that everyone's going to be able to see that process or the end product of that process in just a few short weeks
0: is that customary is that part of the work that you do a lot of stuff on spec
1: In the children's book space, yes and no. I think for bigger projects like this, where they're still kind of in a bidding process, that is generally part of the process. And most publishers, most editors will pay for your time and your work, or they should if they don't, um, while you're doing that spec work. That has been my experience within like the bigger publishing houses. With some of the smaller publishing houses that I've worked with, there hasn't been much spec work. It's just like, hey, we like your style. Here's the story. Bring it to life. And there still is a lot of that back and forth, but primarily with the art director at that point who has a clear vision too, and knows what you're capable of because they've seen your work online. They know your portfolio. They've seen whatever else you kind of made. Um, that's, I think the, the biggest difference there.
0: Andrea, coming from a family full of artists or people who had a creative instinct, who because of immigration, largely, were not able to fulfill their dreams of being working, professional creatives. Does that then translate to you as an opportunity or a burden?
1: You know, I've been thinking about this a lot recently, because there's two people in my family whose stories I think of that I sometimes get emotional just just thinking about it in relation to what I'm doing now. Um, So for context, My mother studied architecture in Mexico. She practiced architecture for about two years. But when her and my dad made the decision to move to the States, her degree did not transfer. So she was back at square one and she went from being in a field that she really loved to essentially working as like a caretaker for the elderly. And I know part of her like heart and soul were just completely broken and and having to kind of let go of that, especially after you work so long and, and so hard for a career to not even be able to practice, is hard. The other person actually is my grandfather who just passed away a couple weeks ago. And that's why this is so top of mind for me. When he moved to the States with my dad, he worked two jobs for like 25 years. He worked as like a railroad uh, engineer, kind of just like mechanic, all the things uh, back in the day, and also a server. But he is and was like the most talented artist I had ever interacted with. He could paint, He would do sculpture. He could sketch you in a way that made you look like a photograph. It was wild. But him pursuing art full time was never like an idea that crossed his mind because it wasn't an option. He had three kids. He had just moved to a country where he didn't have a support system. He was working two full time jobs. And while I'm grateful for both of them because they gave me these talents, I feel like directly connected to them. And I'm excited to be in a place now where I get to pursue this professionally, it does break my heart because I feel like I have both the support and this added pressure of like, I'm not only doing this for me, like I'm doing it for them. And who knows how many others in the past that weren't able to do this. And while that is a beautiful thing, especially for for someone who is sensitive like me, I'm just like, oh man, I really don't want to let them down. It's like not letting me down, but also this like broader community down that especially over the last few weeks has been really, really top of mind.
0: I personally have always had difficulty managing my expectations around what that is going to look like and what the universe is going to bring me on the other side of it. I'm still struggling with how to give myself the grace to slow down and enjoy any of those moments without asking myself, what's more, what's next?
1: Yeah. I mean... I feel really, really similarly, especially right now with everything that's going on with Con Pollo. Like it comes out next week. There's like press opportunities. I'm going to be in rooms with people that I never imagined I would be in rooms with. And similar to you, I'm like, wow, I feel so grateful and so lucky to be here. But also in the same thought is like, I can't mess this up because I know people like me don't get to be in rooms like this. And I've made it this far. I need to keep going at all costs. And I think that's where like the overworking comes into play or like ignoring maybe like your health or your mental health or whatever to try to kind of maintain that pace because i think the the further you move into like the entertainment industry in particular like things start moving faster and i don't think a lot of people realize that the people on the top have like support systems like full ecosystems that kind of work with them to be able to move at that pace i am one person i don't have that not right now maybe in the future who knows and it's hard to just maintain that not only physically, but mentally, and emotionally with this added layer of like, well, I know there's a million other people who would die for this opportunity, so I need to make the most of it regardless of, of what's going on, maybe inside or whatnot. So yeah, that really resonates with me.
0: I'm crying because of the number of times I have heard one of our guests say, I'm going to be in a room that people like me normally don't get to be in. And like, that's the whole point, right? Like, let's get to a point where there's so many of us in the room that you can actually just walk into the room without the pressure of being the first, the only, different. Yeah. I mean, I'm used
1: to being the only. I've been the only in so many spaces in like high school and even like in my working life. But this just feels different because you're creating, at least for me, like I'm creating content, stories that will live beyond me that extend beyond me that are going to go into people's homes and I think there's something really special and intimate about you know a bedtime story and now like thinking about me being a part of that I'm like okay this is huge this is this is like one small step in the right direction um and surprise like the kids lit world is not very diverse um I think the last stat I read was and this was like as of either 2020 or 2019 that only nine percent of kids lit writers and illustrators are people of color. So that's not just like Latinos or Latine or Latinx. It's it's everyone kind of like bunched in and that there are more stories about animals than there are of of kids of color. And I'm just like okay, I personally want to change that and that's I think one of the things that I'm really grateful for with all the projects that I've gotten to date is that they're opening doors so that in a year or two I can hopefully write my own story that centers an experience that maybe is similar to mine or centers an experience that hasn't been shared with before. And I think slowly kind of going through that, maybe I'll take some of this pressure onto myself and like open that door a little bit wider. So to your point, it's not me being like, I can't mess this up because I'm the only, it's like, hey, I I can mess up a little bit because I'm human, but I opened the door like four inches wider and now someone else is standing next to me. So like they can take this one on. And I think that's like, a really beautiful thing
0: on the day. I thought I loved you so much, but I like really love you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to, to do this and showing up with such an open heart.
1: Thank you. Thank you. you brought me to tears. now. <laughs>
0: I mean, it would not be a Latina to Latina episode if we didn't both cry, but it also would not be a cancer to cancer episode. If we did not both <laughs> end up in tears. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Florence Burrow Adams mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at latinatolatina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, or wherever you're listening right now.